It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. days you've been a fan of the Cleveland Indians in many cases before you even knew it your father's father's father lived and died with the tribe this week out of respect for Native Americans not only in Northeast Ohio but our country the franchise announced that Indians will no longer be the name of the Cleveland baseball franchise that transition away from the name will begin sometime after the 2021 season. Now, what if you work for the team and are a key part of the group that will shape the future name of the ball club? How do you balance being a fan of the Indians from birth with that? It's a part of the fabric of my entire life and and the fabric of my family is just that love and connection, you know, to the Indians brand and the Indians organization. So, you know, I think it's taken time. I've had a lot more time to to deal with it than others externally, obviously, because I've, you know, been involved in the process. Um, but, you know, it's so deep rooted in us as Clevelanders and our fandom um, that, you know, it isn't easy. And we, we recognize that with the fans that are trying to process this decision, that it's not easy. That's Curtis Danberg, Indians Vice President of Communications and Community Impact. And in just a few moments, we'll talk with Curtis about the decision to change a franchise name that has stood for more than 100 years and the challenges of changing times. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and this is Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Also coming up on this week's show, it's our final Game of the Week segment looking back at some of the great games of the unusual 2020 season. And trust me, you don't want to miss this one. But before we take the deep dive into the name change, baseball's winter meetings continued virtually this week. And that's where we begin with our news and notes of the week gone by. And it also means a visit with each team's manager, Cleveland manager Terry Francona, met with the Cleveland and national media and touched on a variety of subjects, including the name change, a view on the season to come, and maybe most importantly, the status as of this week on the 2021 season. We, we had a meeting with the commissioner uh, oh, this week, 
and they've done a good job of trying to explain things to us. And they told us to prepare as if spring training is going to start on time. I would say, and I think he was pretty good about this too. I think the the one thing we learned about in 2020 is we need to keep the word flexible, you know, and be open-minded. And I think that's probably going to continue. Um, but they try to update us as much as they can, the best they can. But I think we all know that there might be the need to be flexible. Thanks. Tito, during an offseason like this, do you um do you look around your division at like the different managers and just how things have maybe changed in the in your division a little bit? Well, I mean, I'm certainly aware of of what's happened, but I, I try to spend the majority of the time, pretty much most of it, on our team, our coaches, our players, you know, and see how we can make ourselves better. You know, there'll be a time to get invested in, you know, Tony and the White Sox or, you know, AJ and the Tiger, you know, just how they're going to compete against us. That's not for now. For now, we're, we're going to try to see how good we can get. And, and that, that's still even kind of in the, you know, infancy, you know, because the, the, the winter's going to be a kind of a slow one, as I think we all expected. So you just try to spend the energy on things you can, which, you know, that's getting our major league staff. You know, we added DeMarlo Hale. So we're trying to get him up to speed with everybody. Um, just work on the things you can. Hey, Tito, it seems like you're going into this next season with some uncertainty, especially at several infield positions. So how do you approach that? You know, first, second, maybe short? Well, I would amend that a little bit. I don't think we're going into the season with uncertainty. I think we're headed, you know, a lot of teams right now don't know what their team is going to look like come opening day or opening day of spring training just because – you know, there's, there, there is a lot of uncertainty in our industry. And so the, the winter is kind of going a little slower than normal. Um, I'm confident that when the time comes that we need to show up, we're going to have a team in place that we're, we're, we feel like, hey, let's go compete with. Um, it just might take a little longer than normal. Tito, with the, uh, the, the shortened season and, and pitchers had such an abnormal year, gearing up for it and whatnot. Do you guys have to be a little more careful just with their, their work this off season and heading into spring training? You know what, Zach, that's a really good question. Um, I don't think you could just put a blanket answer on that. Our pitchers have worked really hard to like last year when, when you saw a lot of pitchers in the game going two and three innings, our guys were stretched out and we didn't want to penalize them for that. Um, you know, there's a couple rule, rule, rules of thought where, okay, you need to ramp up guys carefully next year because they had a limited amount of work this year. Or the other side of that is, well, they did, you know, they saved some bullets. Um, I think what we need to do is not just put a blanket number on our guys, rather see how they're feeling, see how they measure, you know, how they're how their strength is, how their mobility is, how their range of motion is in their arm, because that's ultimately what really matters. And then not penalize them for working hard and just, like I said, putting a lim an artificial limit on them. I don't think that makes sense. Hey, Terry, you, you were on the record early in July. I think your direct quote was, I think it's time to move forward. Um, 
the organization has just sort of gone through a few days of what transition, let's say. Um, how do you feel about uh, the, the name, the consideration for name change? What's what's going to happen from here, and what the week has been like? I'm sure it's been interesting. Well, I would say we've we've gone through more than a couple of days of transition. I think it's probably been public, more public last this last week. But um, the organization has done many many things to 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 listen to people and to try to understand, which I think we all said early on we needed to do. I think Paul Dolan came out early on and said he really wanted to listen. And that's what the leaders in our organization did. Um, you know, what we, we, we tried to, to, you know, we've always said, I wrote sorry guys, we always said, uh, you know, we, we didn't ever want to be disrespectful, but I think we found in 2020 that just saying that wasn't correct anymore. And so regardless how we felt about it, what was really ultimately the most important is, is how other people that it was affecting felt about it. So as an organization, we do what we always try to do is do the right thing. And I'm really proud of our organization for, for, for trying to do the right thing. I think what's important for people to understand is, you know, what we're really proud of is the first name of our team, which is Cleveland. And I hope, you know, you'll never hear a player say something that, that's, that's contrary to that. Um, and, and maybe, you know, in the next year or so, we, the fans and the people can have some fun with something moving forward. I just don't want it to ever get lost. We're not trying to be disrespectful to anybody, believe me. Um, we're trying to be the opposite and that's being respectful. That's Terry Francona, who always seems to have a way to taking a complicated subject and getting back to the heart of the matter. When we come back, Indians Vice President of Communications and Community Impact, Curtis Danberg joins us to lend some insight and perspective to the name change. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. I saved big money with the Progressive Home and Auto Bundle, so I finally bought that new set of golf clubs. Watch out, Fairway. Here I come. This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big with Progressive, but your other expenses won't just disappear. Are those clubs going to help you when the hot water heater dies? Also, it sounds like your money is better spent on golf lessons. Time to go shoot the course record. No, but maybe time for a reality check. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse back with you this weekend. Great to have you with us for our hot stove shows. We are joined now by Indians Vice President of Communications and Community Impact, Curtis Danberg. And boy, both ends of the title came into play big time this week, Curtis, as uh, <laughs> with the news of the week for the Indians is uh, a name change is coming. And and maybe before we get into the, the nuts and bolts, just uh, – from your standpoint, I mean, you're you are a lifelong Clevelander, and <laughs> full disclosure, your mom sent us a, a picture of you when you were just a little guy, and and you are decked out in your tribe gear from from the get go. So, when when this all happens, from that fan standpoint in you, 
Um, how how difficult was this this whole process to to get to the point where we're at today, where where the name will change? Yeah, um, that's a great question, Rosie. And you're right. I mean, I, my birth announcement was a baseball bat, and my first picture at Olin Mills was in the Indians uniform that my mom made me. Uh, it's a part of the fabric of my entire life, and, and the fabric of my family is just that love and connection, you know, to the Indians brand and the Indians organization. So, you know. I think it's taken time. I've had a lot more time to to deal with it than others externally, obviously, because I've you know been involved in the process. Um, but you know it's so deep rooted in us as Clevelanders and our fandom um, that you know it isn't easy. And we we recognize that with the fans that are trying to process this decision that it's not easy. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it was the right thing to do, and it, it was the right time to do it. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, Paul Dolan has spoke, spoken about that. And like me, you know, he's a fifth generation Clevelander. And um, just as I mentioned, deep rooted in that Indians fandom. So um, it wasn't just me and just organization. There's a lot of us that are tied uh, historically. And I think that's the biggest thing I want fans to, to understand. And, and Paul said this, too, is we're not looking back and, and pushing away 105 years of history of Cleveland Indians. We're going to still celebrate that. We're going to still acknowledge that it's about how we're going to move forward with the brand. Um, once we come up with a new name, I, I know there were a lot of different reasons why this came to the forefront this summer and, and, and why we're at our spot now, um, during the, that process where you're, you're trying to learn as much as you can about the situation. What, what did you learn? What did Paul learn about Indians being offensive to native Americans? It maybe was different from from things that that you had thought or knew about before it really came to the forefront you took that deep dive this summer with with a lot of different groups yeah i mean it started really with what happened with george floyd and paul talked about that 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 was when he kind of had the epiphany that we need to better understand and have those conversations and we went through this listening and learning process and there were a lot of thoughtful discussions with local native american communities um cleveland civic leaders uh fans i mean many stakeholders that we wanted to listen and learn and it revealed the negative impact our name has um, on underserved groups. And so from that point, it was clear the organization needed to make a change to help unify our region, our community, and fans, because that's what it's about. That's the role we serve and believe we serve in our community is unifying uh, that group. And when you're not able to do that and there's a strong population that uh, doesn't fully support um, something of that magnitude, the name um, is our biggest connection with the community. So... Uh, it really led us to that decision. So now the process, uh, I know it's its already begun, but it, it really starts to, to gain some momentum. Uh, the new name, how how do you go about finding a new name for a franchise that's been around more than 100 years? Well, uh, it's going to be a complex process. It's going to take time. And, um, you know, we're not setting an exact timetable on when that will be ready. Um, we'll remain Indians until that time. Uh, the most important part of our team, in though, is the, the term Cleveland. And, you know, we recognize that, but uh, we, we know the nicknames are important too. So uh, there's a, a strong working group internally that has begun that process. And, um, you know, we're going to very similarly to how we just did the uh, process to come up with a decision. And we're going to follow that playbook too, and listen to stakeholders and listen to our fans and, um, and best come up with something that can last the test of time. And certainly uh, even longer than 105 years. You mentioned fans. Uh, how can you get the general fan involved if they want to become involved? How do they uh, be a part of that process, even if it's just in a small way? 
So in the very near future, um, so we've created a microsite, Indians.com backslash CLE, C-L-E team name. Uh, and you can reference that, it has some information on there. But we are going to put up a form uh, that we're going to welcome fans to sign up uh, to, if they want to be involved in that process. We can't guarantee that every single person that signs up um, is going to uh, enter that process. But we do want to hear from fans, and we feel that's the best way is to have people let us know that they want to be involved. And uh, we will uh, you know, certainly go down that road as the process um, begins and continues along the way. And I know uh, 2021, the, the name stays the same. 2022 is a goal, but it, it might take a little bit longer. Uh, how wide-ranging is this process to change a name aside from just you know showing up one day, holding a press conference, and saying, hey, here's the new name? What are all the other things that maybe fans don't think about that caused that time lag to, to finally get to that finish line? We would probably need a lot more time than your hour show uh, <laughs> presents itself, Rosie. Um, so, I mean, the best way to frame it, there are a lot of complexities uh, as it relates to that. And, I mean, think of, you know, all the areas in the ballpark. And, I mean, we've had people in our uh, office go through, and we have a Excel spreadsheet that lists every usage of the, the name Indians, and it's it goes on forever. So it's understanding that and recognizing we have to replace all those and, um, and just the legalities of it. But again, I think the best way to frame it, it's a complex situation and a complex process. But at the same time, we recognize the urgency and there's a ton of urgency uh, internally to get this done as soon as we can. But it's just hard to put a timetable because there's a lot of things out there that we're not even aware of right now that we're going to have to run into and, and overcome. Well, Curtis, I know it's uh, not an easy decision. A lot of uh, thought and and time has been well spent to, to get to this point. And thanks so much for sharing and, and uh, filling us in on the situation. Thanks for the opportunity, Rosie. Happy holidays. That's Curtis Danberg, Indians Vice President of Communications and Community Impact. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, continues after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Presented by Progressive, Jim Rosenhouse back with you. Great to have you with us. And we turn our attention to our game of the week. This will be the final game that we'll look back on from the unusual 2020 season. And this is one of those games where not having fans in the stands really seemed to make a difference and was noticeable from the standpoint of how it ended. This was the last homestand of the regular season for the Indians. They had not yet clinched a playoff berth, but they had an opportunity to do it on this night with the Chicago White Sox in town. This was a Tuesday night, September the 22nd. The White Sox had come in with a playoff berth in hand, and they were still trying to win the American League Central Division, while the Indians at 30-24 and 24 had an opportunity to clinch with a win. The pitching matchup, Cal Quantrill getting the start for the Indians, a spot start for him 
on a bullpen day of sorts for the Tribe and his mound opponent, Reynaldo Lopez. The Indians got it going in the first inning. Cesar Hernandez showing some power to get the scoring started. Now the 0-2. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to right. It's got a chance. It is gone. Cesar Hernandez hits his third home run, and the Indians lead it one to nothing, and the gopher ball bites Lopez again. A towering home run to right by Cesar Hernandez. Meanwhile, on the mound, Quantrill sure looked comfortable in a starting role. Now he's ready to go, so is Quantrill. Here's the 0-2 pitch. Fastball called, strike three on the inside corner. Now Jimenez is upset with home plate umpire Angel Hernandez. Someone's going to get tossed here before too much longer or before the game ends. Three up, three down, go the White Sox. We head to the bottom of the fourth. one nothing Tribe. Jose Abreu, the White Sox all-star and future most valuable player by season's end, tied the game in the sixth inning with a solo shot, but that was it for the offense as Indians pitching was just tremendous, shutting down the powerful White Sox lineup. So the game tied 1-1, and on to extra innings we went. Not a good start to the 10th as the White Sox broke through for a pair of runs highlighted by an Adam Engel triple, and just like that, they had a 3-1 lead. So on to the bottom of the 10th we go. Roberto Perez began the inning as the base runner at second, and then Francisco Lindor delivered. Lindor has to be sitting dead red. Here it comes. A swing and a high fly ball to deep center. Robert is back on the track at the wall. He jumps. It's off the top of the wall. Perez will score. Lindor is into second with a double and missed by inches of tying this game. Three to two. The Indians trail the Sox. Robert got back there and at 6-2 thought he could make a robbing catch. He didn't make the catch and didn't really look like he got leather. And that ball barely missed clearing the nine-foot wall in dead center. And Robert on the lead just missed it. And by inches, this game is not tied up. Cesar Hernandez followed with a walk, and that set the stage for Jose Ramirez trying to be the hero. Indians at first and second. Two down in the tenth. Three to two socks. Here's the 2-2 pitch from Ruiz to Ramirez. A swing and a drive to deep right center field. Away, back, and gone. It's a game winner. It's a playoff clincher. And for the fourth time in the last five years, Indians fans, you will have a postseason to remember. A walk-off, three-run homer to right center by Jose Ramirez. The Indians, with four in the tenth, have stunned the Chicago White Sox five to three. The magic number is zero. The one guy the White Sox did not want to see get to the plate, and Ramirez, now in his last seven games, 
six home runs, 15 RBIs, and that is how you clinch a playoff spot. How about that from Jose Ramirez? What a way to clinch a playoff berth. And moments later, the most excited player in the ballpark may have been Fran Mil Reyes, who stopped by with an interview for the ages. And we've got Fran Mil Reyes with us now. And Fran yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I told Nelson, hey, that picture is a problem if he gets to the Ramirez. <laughs> I love that little man. Wow. <laughs> okay, Fran Meal, I think you've answered the first question. This does mean something, doesn't it? Clinching a playoff spot, shortened season, all of that. Playoffs are playoffs, right? Yes. Yes, I told you. We're going to be good. <laughs> we are here. Going to be a very good ride. Really fun. Familia, you came so close a year ago, and I know you had some lean years with the Padres. What does this mean to you to finally be a part of something like this? It means a lot, man, for me, for my family, for the people of my town in Palenque, in Dominican. I want to give that, that ring to Dominican. So that's why I tell you guys, I tell Weaver, when we got here in summer camp, B, I feel this um, World Series vibe, bro. Let's fight for it, and we're going we're gonna to play hard, and we're going to give our best, man. Like, I'm really, really excited that we're in the playoffs. Fran Meal, you mentioned Jose Ramirez. I mean, have you ever seen a guy as dynamic in such a little body, but the way he plays this game with such almost like little league enthusiasm, doesn't he? Yes, man. Like, I, I know Jose since, since a lot of time from here, and, and Man, I was having an interview last night, and I was telling that girl uh, in Instagram, he is the best player I ever played with. The best. He's the best. That I love you, little man. Love you, bro. I was going to ask you if you think this clinches an MVP for him or at least puts him even stronger in the conversation, but I think we just got our answer. Of course, my man. He's the best. Well, you know what? You're really good, too, and you brought an enthusiasm and a big bat to this lineup. It is going to be fun to watch you wreak havoc for many years to come in an Indians uniform. Fran Meal, congratulations. It's your first playoff. That, that, there isn't anything quite like the first. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank everybody here, man. I, it's really excited for me to be part of this team. And, and this is for the fans. Try fans. Yeah, we got this. Fran Meal, thank you so much, pal. Thanks, man. Thank you. That is Fran Meal Reyes, the Indians, a winner here today. Five to three over the Chicago White Sox, scoring four in the bottom of the 10th inning. Anybody not like how you play extra innings now? <laughs> that seemed to work out. <laughs> you know what? If Fran Meal ever comes out of his shell, you know, he's just a little bit bashful. But <laughs> <laughs> And we also caught up with Indians acting manager Sandy Alomar after the game. Sandy, you were a part of the first one here in 1995, and, and now to guide this team the way you have, congratulations. Well, I mean, thank you very much. It's, it's an honor to have a group of guys that uh, collaborate and help uh, through this process. It's uh, not the easiest process to go through. Uh, 
under the circumstances and uh, uh, the guys have done tremendous job helping me out and the players are going out there and play hard. How about the way this ended? Well, I I have to tell you, man. I I uh, I stuck with the process today. I let you know let those guys play, let it play out, and I felt like uh, I kind of had a feeling that uh, something like that dramatic was going to happen. We we're going to be rewarded by you know by st sticking with the process, and, uh, um, and I mean <laughs> the right guys came to the plate and they delivered. <laughs> And, Sandy, you look at things, and, and you've gone through your tough stretch, losing the eight in a row, but it seems like that's made this team stronger. And, and have you seen that coming out on the other side of the losing skid? Yeah, the guys, uh, I mean, all those losses, uh, that skid that we had, there were some, you know, some uh, glitches there with bad baseball and stuff like that. But the guys were always uh, battled, staying in the game. They were not blown out by any means. Uh, they have bad breaks, uh, a little bit of bad baseball, too. We had to clean that up and uh, – uh, at the end of the day, uh, they roll with the punches. You know, sometimes you think you're out, and you're in. And and <laughs> right now, <laughs> right now we are, we are in. You know what, Sandy? Too. Um, no matter what kind of years they've had, you still have some guys on this club. And we saw it in the the tenth inning with Frankie and Jose. Um, they can carry a ball club in the playoffs. Correct, correct. Those, you know, we have some we have some good athletes too, uh, and and those those play and. We haven't even have uh, uh, Santana hot yet, so uh, he's slowly putting better at bats. Yesterday hit that home run, so you know those those guys are key for our offense, and uh, they're showing it right now. Sandy, you had so many of these as a player. Uh, what's it like in in that manager seat, albeit the the acting manager? It's exciting. Anywhere you are in, in one team, and you are uh, devoted to your players, and devoted to the organization, devoted for your city. And you have moments like this. Uh, I mean, they they uh, you cherish every moment you have at this ballpark too. Uh, a lot of excitement had come in this ballpark, and I tell you what, man, I I, I enjoy every single minute. Sandy, congratulations! Best thing that happened to this organization was 30 years ago when we got you from San Diego. Great job! Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And again, getting back to how we started this segment, no fans in the stands. Had they been there? Wow, what a night it would have been. It was a great night anyway, but certainly that's one that you like to share with the fans uh, on a normal season. But as we know, 2020 was anything but. So that's going to do it for our Looks Back, the Game of the Week segments for the 2020 season as our next two weeks. We will take a look back at the 1948 World Series, our holiday tradition with some of the play-by-play -play on the radio of that World Series. And then when we come out of the break, at the uh, first of the year and into January, we'll start to look ahead to 2021. But we hope you've enjoyed the looks back at uh, great games from the 2020 season. And there were quite a few and none bigger and none more exciting than the playoff clinching game for the Tribe. The walk-off home run by Jose Ramirez and allowed them to defeat the White Sox and punch their ticket to the postseason. Stay tuned. We'll have some final thoughts as we continue with Tribe Talk presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. We saved serious cash with our Progressive Home and Auto Bundle and used the money to buy a new boat. Who's ready to water ski? <laughs> this is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough for a new boat. They'll probably spend it on rent or gas money or maybe one of those little plastic waiting pools for the yard. Ahoy there! 
is what the captain might say on the toy boat in your waiting pool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Jim Rosenhouse back with you on Tribe Talk presented by Progressive, our final segment. And just a reminder, you can catch our show each week on the Indians Radio Network, usually late Saturday afternoon. It drops in that 5 to 6 o'clock range, depending on where you listen to the show and which Indians Radio Network affiliate you listen on. You can also hear our show at Indians.com or as a podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And we conclude our show this week with a tribe tale featuring Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio. It's time for another tribe tale with Bob DiBiasio. Joining me now in this special My Most Memorable Moment edition of Tribe Tales is former tribe outfielder, Marquise Grissom, who spent just one season in an Indian's uniform, but what a season it was. Thanks for joining us, Marquise. Thank you, Bobby D. It's always fun to be back in tribe country. <laughs> Let's set the scene. It's game two of the American League Championship Series. Indians at Baltimore. The tribe is down 1-0 as the Orioles won the opener 3-zip. 49,000-plus in attendance at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. It's an important ball game, being down one game to none, to an Orioles team that won nearly 100 games during the regular season. What's your recollections of that matchup, Indians versus Orioles? Well, first of all, I knew we had our work cut out. Those guys had a real fine ball club. They played well all season, and they were after the same thing we were after, that's to win a world championship. Manny Ramirez hits a two-run homer in the top of the first to give the Tribe an early lead, but the Orioles answer with four runs. The score is 4-2 to two going into the top of the eighth. Armando Benitez takes the mound for Baltimore, gets a quick strikeout, then walks Sandy Alomar. Gets another strikeout, then walks pinch hitter Jim Tomey. So there's two on, two out. Take us through your at-bat. Well, um, I thought I hit the ball well the first at-bat, and... Um I was just looking for a good pitch in that situation to hit, to, to try to hit, but not looking for a home run. Uh, he blew two fastballs right by me, and I was just looking for something down in the strike zone. Two fastballs he threw previous were a little up in the strike zone, and um, he got it down. He threw me a breaking ball, slowed down my bat, and um, uh, I just put good wood on it. It was perfect timing. Tribe goes up 5-4. to four. Paul Ossenmacher, Mike Jackson, and Jose Mesa close out the game. And we go on to win the series in six games, 4-2. to two. And you go on to win the American League Championship Series MVP award. I don't know how, but uh, <laughs> we all played well, and it was a total team effort all the way, all of those games. And um, I attribute that to our team. We had a real good ball club, and uh, we came up short, but we played well all season and uh, ended up coming up short in the, in the last game of the World Series. You had a 317 batting average in 52 postseason games. You seem to rise to the occasion. Well, the lights are on. You know, I think we all, as a professional athletes, we work for that moment to win that World Series or when the lights come on in the playoffs or the All-Star game. And um, those type of experiences are some of my favorite parts of the game. When the pressure's on, I kind of like that pressure to be on, and I try to rise to the occasion each and every time. Well, you continue to rise to the occasion with your work in Atlanta dedicated to helping shape young men's lives through the game of baseball? Well, there were so many in my little league coaches that 
played a role in my uh, baseball career that I felt uh, fortunate enough to go back and, and, and pay it forward. And um, it's something that I thought about doing after probably after my fifth or sixth year in the league um, that I wanted to go back and, and, and give another kid the same opportunity that I have. So we've been fortunate and blessed to have a lot of people on board, a lot of sponsorship uh, to take it to the next level. And uh, I'm proud of the city of Atlanta. I'm proud of the Braves who jumped on board. And I'm proud of my coaching staff and, and, and my board members. So it takes a total team effort again to, to be able to accomplish uh, the, what we're trying to accomplish. Marquise, it's always a treat to connect. You spent 17 seasons in the big leagues, only one in the American League. And we are very proud that one season was in a Cleveland Indians uniform. And it was a good one, Bobby D. And I enjoyed every bit of it. And I really appreciate the Cleveland organization for bringing me back here each and every year and uh, go Tribe. Marquise Grissom, our latest Tribe tale. Always great to hear from Bobby D and uh, some of his outstanding guests through the years that he's worked so hard to, to get to know and, and bring some of their stories to you as a Tribe tale. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Hopefully you can join us next week when uh, we continue a holiday tradition the next two weeks we will take a look back at the 1948 World Series, the Indians' last World Series championship, complete with the radio play-by-play -play of some of the big moments of that series. That's next week. Until then, I want to thank Brian Matze, as always, for his help in putting together our shows each week, along with Anthony Alford back at our network studios. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians. Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.